So towards the end of last week, uh, where we are, Florida got hit by a hurricane. And while the hurricane is hitting us, uh, another hurricane was brewing. Hurricane Antonio Brown. (laughs) Who seems to pop up every three months with some sort of antic. But this one, I think, might be his best one. It was so outlandish when I saw these pictures. Believe him. Have any have any of you guys seen the video yet? I've I saw clips. I saw images. clips of it. Yeah, like him just like swimming around the pool, doing some dolphin stuff naked. When you hear headlines like you know certain ex athlete exposed himself to a room full of people, like you're normally like, oh man, and you only have your mind to picture like what took place. This is like explicit photos. Like his dick is out. He is literally like like straight up just whacking it in the pool while these other people are kind of like nervously laughing at him. I, I, I assume. And some of the pictures are so funny. He's got his ass in the girl's face. They seem to be having a good time. But uh what what is what is this guy doing? He's still trying to get signed by a team. At this time at this point I just don't even think he care he even cares to get signed but what were you guys' first impressions when you saw that antonio brown exposes himself in dubai confused like not necessarily like i don't even know how he's still making headlines or whatnot but like obviously this just like comes down to if you're not punished appropriately like should it's just like when you're growing up don't put your fucking hand on this the stove it's gonna burn but like or you know don't steal, don't do whatever. But if you aren't punished the proper way, and obviously the celebrity and the you know the uh, prestige of him at the you know that's kind of causing this downward spiral. And I think you know obviously adding on to concussion syndromes. But truthfully, for me, really just kind of goes back to a conversation we had a long time ago. And Drew, you said it best. Maybe AB is just an asshole. <laughs> Very yeah, I mean, my my first thought was like, good for him. Uh, that one ha- that one picture he's like you know still has his hand on his dick it's not close to his body no like it's that's a big <laughs> it's a blur. solid foot away that's like a good, big blur yeah good good for him was my first thought uh second one is like i i, I like they seem to be enjoying the, him the girl like just, she definitely was down for it but that's a public pool uh what are we doing <laughs> yeah um, yeah, it's, it's, so it's a hotel pool. Like, I, I want to know. I, I have so many questions about this situation. Like, were, were they kind of like flirting with this girl? And <laughs> at what point was his dick out? And he's literally just whacking it. It's so wild. And, and like you said, like my first thought was, whoa, that's weird. Then you see the picture, and it is like, it is out there, man. He, he's wielding the sword, and I'm just like, wow, AB, good for you, buddy. Like, holy shit. So there's so many different tiers to it. And then I love AB instantly just goes on the defensive as he often does on Twitter. It's all about how it's a narrative to try and bring him down. And he had multiple things where it's just like, I can't believe the way the media, you know, try or the way that people try to distort things. Like the, the first reply to his first one that said that is a guy just goes, just, he goes, uh, misinformation, dude, you whacked off in a public pool. Like yeah. what are people getting wrong it. about this story? Yeah, I, I mean, he must be like an incredible grower because I don't know how you run those routes with that thing in your pants. Uh, just take it from San Antonio Holmes, remember? Dude? Same thing, just hammer. And he, he great route runner, great hands, you know. Precip- I don't know how that's you, what it is. It's, that, that, it's, that, it's that low center of gravity. You got that weight kind of like keeping you, you know, <laughs> tight in your turns. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking at the New York Post uh, 
like article right now, and and that just it shows like a light blur. Like I was even afraid to post that on Facebook. I I, I put a big black thing on there, like a big black square, just just to like so we didn't get fucked on Facebook. But like yeah, I was gonna you, say the big black thing was already there. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look. The blur goes all the way to his hand, and then there's something sticking up over the hand like that. Good for you, is, AB. <laughs> is is it is it weird that like the the part that made me like uncomfortable wasn't like the the initial photo of like him you know having his dong up, but it was him having his fucking ass right in that girl's face. Like, <laughs> I, th- I thought yeah. I personally thought that photo was hilarious. I, I wouldn't have thought it was hilarious if, but you can see him through the blur. She's like clearly smiling. Like that must have been so weird. Like, oh, this is a famous wide receiver, and he's jacking off in the pool. <laughs> yeah oh jesus it was it was it was pretty good uh and then the, him going on defensive twitter it's just so fucking it, it's almost like he's he's in on the joke at this point then i thought it couldn't get any worse have you guys seen the photo he posts of him and giselle it's 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 the picture of giselle hugging brady after the super bowl and it, so somebody must have made this photoshop and ab kind of like with our quote saw it and was like hey this is something I would say, and so he posts that. It's clearly taunting um, uh, Tom Brady, who's obviously on the outs with Giselle. Like, man, this guy is just on a war path. <laughs> part, yeah, that's part, a weird move for me. Like, Tom Brady's gotten that guy two jobs now. Exactly, oh. <laughs> and, and a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, right. you, know, you, you know, part of me was kind of when I was, you know, was coming up on like New York Post or you know all like the main distributors. I was one thought that did cross my mind was. People are going to start writing to the sports uh, sports memory uh, uh, strikes again. You know, is is this fake? Is this real? This is a satire page. Uh, he's just mind blowing, not mind blowing on and off the field. Friggin' AB quote of the weekend, and it leads us perfectly into our first game uh, this week that we're going to talk about. What well, another amazing week of football? Sloppy play, it's just like what we were talking about last week, Marcus. Sloppy has games that end just beautifully. This is like this really, it's like a ballet where all the dancers are just insanely drunk. And then at the very end, they like nail the finale. Like it's, it, it's, it's really wild. It's, it's sloppy, but it's just beautiful football, man. So many overtimes, so many last second wins. It's, it's, it's best season of the NFL ever. With that, without a doubt, man, once we got to like halftime of like the one o'clock, so I was kind of teetering back and forth and everything that I needed to come back was just dominating. It was almost a really perfect, perfect weekend until Pittsburgh collapsed at the end. That's <laughs> it, it's heartbreaker. We'll, we'll touch on those uh, obviously here very soon. But the, the quote of the weekend or the tweet of the weekend for me was was from RG3 and it said AB showed more D than the Seahawks and Lions did today. <laughs> Fucking ama- amazing tweet. RG three, um, and it's so true. This this Seahawks Lions game is truly the embodiment of this entire season. Just two not great teams, just slugging it out, just putting up entertaining fucking football. Forty eight to forty five. Now, a couple things I have to say: the Lions are the best team at losing games. Like they lose so beautifully, and at this time last year, I think we were like four games in, and they had lost every game by a score. They're doing the exact same shit this year. They lead the league in points scored, lead the league in points scored, and they're one and three. They also lead the league in points given up. This is this this team is a beautiful disaster. It's 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 very uh, fitting that they were on hard knocks this year. <laughs> and you know, truth, like Seattle's like it's surprising. Like how how. 
obviously we, everyone's expecting Seattle to win no more than four games. And obviously three, it's early, but two and two, they're right in the mix there in the West. You know, they, they could just with with a complete lack of talent. You know, maybe Gino was slept on too much. I don't know. Maybe Russ was just overcooked. Who knows? But they they have to be the most surprising, but if not, definitely top three most most surprising teams in the NFL thus far. I bet you Penny wishes he could play them every week. Like last two games against him, he has like 340 yards rushing or something like that. It's just incredible. Yeah, I, I still don't think the Seahawks are anything. Um, I, I just, they're, they, they, who have they beaten and they've lost to the Falcons? You know what I'm saying? So it's, I, 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 can't, I still can't buy into the Falcons yet because they've beaten the Broncos and they've beaten the Lions. Like that's, that's their rep sheet. And we're going to talk about the Broncos uh, later, but I still think the Broncos are a disaster. Um, but this this game, if you had anyone in this in fantasy in this game, it, they absolutely murdered and you won your league. Well, yeah, I, I, I was excited and you know hopeful that Jamal Williams is going to do what we thought he's going to uh, after coming off you know a twenty five point game as the, the RB two first team uh, started really slow but then finished really strong. Right. And, and also, like, Jamal's, like, the guy you have to root for. If anyone kind of follows him or, like, watches shit he does, like, such an awesome personality, you know. But, like, what, I, was, I was talking to some people the other day. I was like, it's a guy you root for. You know, pregame, you always see him running, or, you know, running around the field, throwing footballs with kids in the stands. Like, it's a guy you have to, like, you have to root for, no matter who, if, if you are rooting against the Lions or whatnot. It's a guy you cheer for. And he's, like, if Dan Campbell could put his mind into someone else's body, that's who Dan Campbell would be because he cried, like, seven times times on hard knocks including the famous cry the first season the first episode when he's like i think about that record well you're on the way to another record like that uh, this year buddy um but another another great quote from twitter about this game uh, a bad lions defense would be three and one right now dater lofsky and it's so true a bad just a bad lions defense would be three and one but this isn't a bad lions defense this is an atrocious lions defense that this the dbs for this team are just swiss cheese which is also yes. kind of wild with like Akuda. Like he started getting praised this year. Like shut everybody down. But you know whatever through He's the first good. three weeks. Just throw everywhere where Akuda isn't, and you can beat the Lions. It's it's wild because remember, like he was labeled a bust going into like last year and this year, uh, both. But like when you think Lions, you're thinking you know the defense is going to find ways to maybe keep them in it. But uh, they're not most most points scored for this year. It's it's absurd. Yeah, I think Hutchison had more QB hits in the second half than the rest of his uh, linemen have all year or something like that. I think it was a set. I saw he had two QB hits, which is more than the rest of them have combined. Um, outside of Akuda, Hutchison, and, and Rodrigo, like that's pretty much all they really have on defense. Yeah, and even Rodrigo made one of the most crucial errors in the Vikings game that led to us winning. Um, best, best moment of the game, DK Metcalf, who I think has elevated this, at this point. I think he's my favorite player in the league. He's so fucking likable. He's like this huge jack dude, but he dresses like uh, David Bowie, and he, and he and he's kind of like he's kind of like a little bit like uh, metrosexual, but he's like this you know obviously this huge fucking rugged dude. Well, he gets carted off the field, and I'll, I'll bet fans were like freaking out, like why the hell is DK Metcalf on a cart? As it turns out, he had to take a shit. So they they in, in, instead of him running like he, he actually responded to the picture saying couldn't clinch my my cheeks for that long of a walk which I totally get man because you guys you guys have been there 
nothing generates a shit like a like a good run or cardio and he probably probably just came up on him and he's just like oh fuck it, that that i can almost guarantee almost guarantee that there were probably like rules against him just running off the field like he had to be escorted out in some fashion i think what would have made the the photo cooler it's like we've all been there pants unbuttoned like belt undone leaning back like not clinched down that would have been you could see you could see the goosebumps on his forearm like all right like oh we know what's going on <laughs> it's getting really graphic yeah <laughs> goosebumps on his forearm Anyways. But, but dude it, it, it's it's actually really funny though because there, there's been lamar jackson you said he can't run off field lamar jackson literally ran off the field to go take a shit <laughs> uh paul pierce that probably maybe the funniest one was paul pierce paul pierce and lamar jackson both denied it massively like, no, Lamar Jackson was, like, so embarrassed. No, I didn't take a shit. I didn't take a shit. Lamar Jackson came back after his shit and won the fucking game, finished the comeback. DK Metcalf just owns up to it. Everyone loves him. My question is, why Why are these other guys, like, why are they so afraid to admit this? Because DK admits it, and everyone is immediately like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. No idea. Yeah, I mean, this it's, it's natural. Just own it. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. But yeah, DK Metcalf is elevated. I think he might be my favorite favorite player on my team. And I don't want to get you... All, all, all it takes is one cart to the, the, the shitter. <laughs> I don't want to get you too riled up here, Marcus, but I got to get your thoughts. Uh, you, you've you been on the fence about uh, your boy Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Um, this Steelers game was a fucking mess up until he got there and up until he started. And it actually got a little bit more of a mess when he actually came in. His first pass was an interception and ended up throwing three on the day. What are your thoughts on Kenny Pickett's first start? Um, truthfully, I, I, I thought he played very well, man. Um, Deontay uh, obviously had the, the first drop right in his fucking hands, just we, just like we expect, which caused the, uh, the Trubisky interception. Um, I liked to see Trubisky, not Trubisky, but uh, uh, old Kenny Pickett throwing it downfield and kind of not be rattled by it. Rookie mistakes are going to happen. Like that's just part of it. But it felt like even with everything kind of going on, obviously it's early. Um, the, the game wasn't too big for him. Like the, the nerves weren't there. My biggest issue was, and I, I called it last week after, you know, the, the, the dud that the Steelers laid against Cleveland. I was like, watch. 10 fucking days to prep for the Jets and they're still going to come out sloppy and not motivated. And it's just games that they have to win because they have death rows coming up. And like, if you had 10 days to prepare everything, right. Why are we changing our mind at halftime? Like if, if that was even like a thought, it, sh- it should have been done right after that Browns game. So that that's kind of where my turmoil, I guess is. Uh, and I also do hate chase Claypool. He's five. He's a, he's basically a five, six receiver. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was yeah. actually Claypool we threw to first, but where it bounced off his hands and was an interception. Well, yeah, Deontay was the Trub- uh, Trubisky interception. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, in, right in his hands. Chase, you, you have you have to make that play. Like you have, and you know we talked about it, Derek. If let me ask you, um, how many times out of we'll just say a million, if I throw a jump ball to you against uh, Brandon Brister, how many times does that get ball get intercepted? Zero. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And he, he's one of those like Mike Evans guys who plays way smaller than he is. Uh, I, I can't stand that. Like, use your body, use your frame. It's one, you know, the big, literally the, the most important asset they have. 
Um, but for me, I'd rather see a guy throwing interceptions, pushing down the field, and guys throwing, you know, shitty passes that are getting intercepted, you know, six yards down the field. And, and I think they probably wanted to, you know, keep it Trubisky, and, and the offensive line's not very good. So for his own safety, like, he wanted Trubisky to be able to get through the year. Uh, but at, at a point, you just realize, like, we're going to lose either way. Maybe they just figure Pickens, uh, pick it some reps. Um, but as a Pickens owner, loved it because now we, you know we're pushing the ball downfield a little bit and we're getting uh, George Pickens involved. Yeah, for for that group of wide receivers, you have to have a guy like it, I, I loved. I loved everything I saw out of Kenny Pickett. Technically, thirteen for thirteen. <laughs> ten, <laughs> Nothing hit the ten, ground. Ten for thirteen. <laughs> With three interceptions, like he literally every single one of his passes ended up in hands. Let's just say that uh, the guy was exciting for first uh, rookie quarterback to ever have two rushing touchdowns his first game. Um, and honestly, he said it after the game, and I think it's perfect. He wants to play with the with with kind of like an excitement that just generates you know excitement around him, and that's what the Steelers didn't have with Trubisky. It was honestly you if you're seeing Trubisky in like an interview, the guy's a wet blanket. He he really he's personalityless and for for a team like the Steelers that have so many flaws you can't win games with a guy like that so you might as well bring in who I think is is going to be a, a a serious leader in Kenny Pickett to be honest man with, with even with three interceptions I loved every second of what I saw the guy plays with fucking fire um, I really wish my team had that had that dude for the future because he he really and and don't. If I'm Tomlin, the right way to coach this is to be like, dude, look at the look at this interception. The first one you threw, it was the right pass. You know, second one w- w- was a rookie pass. We need to work on that. But don't be afraid to make these decisions because that's how you that's how you ruin a player. That's how you create a Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, he'll probably be if he is helping to coach uh, 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 Kenny on those. He's probably going to look at yeah this throw that was Ghost of Christmas Pass. Now close your eyes, open your heart, run the football, and uh, who cares about nameless faces? That's the kind of shit that Tomlin does. I can't stand him. <laughs> Kenny, come here. Look at that. Look at that, Kenny. What do you see there? <laughs> With his wide eyes. Uh, and, and but before we go on to the other team. Um, just future thought. How many times do you think that with uh, you know the lack of talent with the Steelers' offensive line, you killed Kenny is going to come up this season? And the Kenny pick it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, seen, seen those coming hot, hot, hot and uh, heavy already. I actually didn't see that one coming. I, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed of myself that I didn't see that coming because it, it was always there. It was always there, right in front of my face. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, dude. Honestly, I, I I give I give that uh, you know performance a, a a C plus with he's your guy, man, he, and he he really is like that 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 that's your future. You might as well roll him out now. I, I think there's a chance that you can ruin a player like that, but he seems like he's got like a burrow like tough toughness to him, a chip on his shoulder. Like he might be able to play through just getting the shit kicked out of him his rookie year. Yeah, because he's he's used to it. Couple his first three years at Pitt, same thing. It's like struggled and kind of late bloomer, and that that's the best hope that you can have is like the experience, the late can transition. So I'm happy with his performance, turnovers included. Like I, I was I was happy to see what he did. The other side of the football, uh, the Jets. Um, a lot to like about the Jets. Zach Wilson with another Zach Wilson esque performance. I mean, we're, we're we're ramming on you know Kenny Pickett for throwing three picks. Other side of the ball, you have a you know quote unquote second year player who also threw two picks, um, and who 
honestly, he looked good at times, but he just he looked like the same old, you know, just kind of shitty Zach Wilson the majority of the game. But on that final drive, he stepped up and he he did it. Uh, what do you guys think about the Jets? You know, going forward and Zach Wilson. Um, I mean, get, <clears throat> with him, you get a lot of good. You get a little bit, you know, a little bit of bad too. Um, kind of reckless of the football, and I don't think that really works in today's NFL. Um, with with you know the, the way that teams manage the clock and, and manage situations, uh, I just don't think you can go out there and Brett Farbit anymore, uh, which is is kind of you know what he reminds me of, like a much more frail uh, female looking Brett Favre. <laughs> so I, uh, I I just don't I don't like him as like their quarterback of the future. I, I don't I don't think he's the the, the answer long term. Uh, maybe not, but uh, he's a lot better than I was kind of anticipating him to be going into the NFL. And now remember, like, uh, take Russ, R- Russell Wilson, for example, like very kind of sluggish, like starting off. Zach Wilson's missed the last month as well. And, you know, that was his first game coming into the season. Not no practice, no reps came out. So, like, we were expecting kind of some turnovers and some of it, which is why I also took for uh, Zach Wilson to have over one and a half interceptions. Great prop. And uh, you almost locked you almost locked it in. Uh, I know it was your lock of the week, which we'll cover later with the, the one or more interceptions. But you almost locked it in to the T early. I don't know if you, you probably didn't see the highlight, but it was crossing on the um, on the right hash near the sideline. Mick had a sick pick, but couldn't get that last toe drag. Freaking close, Al- almost honestly, almost as close as Deontay's incompletion in the end zone. I was looking. I go, Derek was right, and then <laughs> oh, and like to the T. But uh, there's there's there has to be a lot of excitement with the Jets. Uh, so um, all those red receipts are piling up right now over the New York. Yeah, I mean, as a Garrett Wilson owner, I want Flacco back. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I I think Zach Wilson ultimately is going to be way better for these wide receivers. So they're going to have to establish it with with um you know Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson. But you you can just see, dude, Flacco was a statue a statue out there. He it was hard to watch at times. And although he would put up the yards, he just kind of sat back there and you couldn't do much with them. the The offense just seemed more energized. And with this duo of running backs, I I, I do got to say, um, I don't think this team makes the playoffs. I do think they're going to have seven or eight wins this year, though. I, I I think this is an interesting team, and they, they've shown a lot of moxie. Knocked off two really good AFC North opponents so far. Um, I like what I see, even with a really shitty Zach Wilson. He only completed 50% of his passes. QBR really low. His Even his QB rating was in the 50s. So I, I, I hope he gets better. I don't think he will, but I don't think they need him to be that much better. I just think they need him to kind of play that you know, kind of scrambling and exciting football that he's known for. He could be kind of like a Baker Mayfield type winner for them, which obviously is kind of bad timing considering Baker Mayfield last week. But um, the Falcons, the Falcons are my favorite team this year. And we talked about it last last week, Marcus. They have been in every single game. Uh, they knock off the Browns. And it's it's funny. So the, the Browns are two and two. If you would have said at the beginning of the year with Jacoby Brissett after four games, you know the Browns are going to start two and two, you'd be like, "Yeah, that's pretty good." Um, it's it's insane that the Jets had to come back with that improbable win, and then the Falcons also come back at the very end to knock them off. They could be four and zero oh right now, and and not even have Deshaun Watson. So huge disappointing game for the Browns. But I want to keep this on the Falcons. This is the scrappiest team I think I've ever seen. These Marcus Mariota stats are pitiful. 
Seven for 19, 139 yards, an interception. Like, how is this team winning games? Uh, no, no idea. So, uh, you know, with Seattle, like Atlanta's right up there as far as the most surprising teams. Uh, both definitely top five, top three. But kind of like Cleveland, Atlanta's fucking close to being 4-0 as well. Remember, uh, I think it was uh, Will Lutz in New Orleans, 50-some-odd yarder at the end, like last second field goal to win by one, almost beat the Rams on the road. Uh, they, don't, so, and they don't even use their, their most talented player. Imagine <laughs> if they did that. And they don't. Um, it's it could. It's definitely gonna. I'm not sure how I feel about like. I, obviously, I heard about the Cordero Patterson uh, IR injury, but like maybe they'll just keep finding ways to just be competitive. So this is a team that obviously we're kind of expecting to be 0 and 4, 1 and 3 at this point. Another five, six win team tops. But it's going to keep things in, uh, very interesting in the NFC South and. Uh, unless you're Kyle Pitts owner uh, uh, in fantasy football, it's it's going to be an exciting team to uh, kind of watch the you know going forward. What's going on with the Kyle Pitts thing? I mean, straight up, how, how do you how do you not how how can you not use this guy? And more importantly, I mean, I think it's obvious. Look at Marcus Mariota's stats. It, maybe Marcus Mariota just can't get him the ball, but at the same time, he's not running a lot of routes, but I think the reason he's not running a lot of routes is because they're literally using him to block. Yeah, they, they don't want to throw the ball for whatever reason. I mean, there, there's certain guys where, you know, you can worry about you know the, the, the routes they're running, they're not getting separation. Like that, None of that applies to Cal Pitts. Like, he's getting open. He's getting wide open on some on some of these plays, and, and Mariota's just not finding him. Um for me, like you can't keep rolling Mariota out there. I don't care if you've you've won so far. If after that that third quarter interception, they ran the ball fourteen straight times. If your quarterback's play is making you one dimensional and predictable, you can't use him in the NFL. Yeah, the, those stats are abysmal, um, and I I, I I agree. And the funny thing is, this game, you know, Mariota often makes plays with his feet. He didn't this game. Five rushes for three yards. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I don't even know how they're getting it done. I didn't actually watch this game, but I, you know, I kind of read about it. Seems like their defense is definitely kind of performing a lot better than people thought they were. They not exactly holding teams down in terms of scores, but creating a lot of turnovers and it, ah, just an interesting team. Arthur Smith is a great coach. I've I've said it yeah. so many times. I'm going to continue to say it. Arthur Smith is a great coach. A steal for, I caught, for the I caught Falcons. some red zone. I know they threw a deep pass that. that was ruled a touchdown on the field, and then they spotted at the one down by contact. Uh, so first and goal from the one, and they ended up fumbling, and and you know, Atlanta turned the ball over to, and, and or got the turnover there. So I, I know Cleveland definitely helped keep them in that. But yeah, I mean Marcus Mariota was responsible for 142 yards. Like <laughs> I guarantee you, you know Ritter can do that. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think it's time to see the rook for sure. Um, you can't. You almost can't though after a win like that. You gotta you nah. gotta roll Mariota out there just to see what he's got. For, um, when you're talking Atlanta, I've you know in my humble opinion, you, you and as long as they're at least in contention of things, you have to you can't change can't change it at that point moment. But you know if they reel off two, three, four losses and start falling out of the picture, then then you could think about that. But until until they start falling out, you you can't change it up. The Ravens shit the bed again. This is this is the second time this year that they've had just an insane first quarter lead. I mean, it was it was twenty to three over the Bills, like arguably the best team in the league. Um, and they get held completely scoreless in the second half, 
and just completely shit the bed. They did it against the Jets. Uh, this, this Ravens, really good Ravens team is now 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Lamar Jackson making a lot of mistakes. What are you guys' assessment of this game? I have a lot. I have so much to talk about here, and I, I know some one of my uh, thoughts on this game everyone's excited for. So I will start. You know, some of the I was I had had their game up red zone. Obviously, Steelers are my main focus. But what I will say is I did see Lamar actually made another like two or three pretty impressive throws. I was like, man, maybe he's kind of making that turn, but it just collapsed. Like you, he's just not consistent enough for you know throwing making tight clutch throws. And without a couple big breaks, um, obviously, like the crazy escape that he had that was kind of tipped up, should have been intercepted, tipped up, massive play. Like, he played good, but, like, he – I call it he cannot come down in crunch time. Um, as, as for the awesome throws that he made, which were two two really awesome throws, you know, it's just head and shoulders, like, mistakes and bad throws and inconsistencies over there, which is why – uh, reasons like that are why I really want Baltimore to give him a hundred million dollars a year for the next decade. Yeah, I just it seemed like game plan wise they didn't like run the ball very well, um, and I think that really impacted you know keeping that lead obviously. Um, but they're also having a hard time for, for, uh, forcing turnovers this year, which is kind of uncharacteristic. The defense is really bad. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure being put on the offense and, and they're not getting great field position. So they might pick up a first down or two and, and you know, end up punting it. And I, I just don't think they're getting some of those short fields that they would typically get. Um, <clears throat> Dobbins was efficient, but then they kind of abandoned the run. So I, I, for me, the game plan was weird this game. Um, Dobbins ran for uh, 73 yards and 11 carries. So why didn't we do more of that to you know, keep that lead? I don't, I don't get it. Um, and then, you know, we talked about the, that late decision to go for it on fourth down. I like the play call, like Marcus, like you said, like you like or you like the decision, but not the play call. Um, the, the Harbaugh is just doing a lot of kind of uncharacteristic, unforced things that you don't see Harbaugh do a lot. Yeah, the offensive line isn't as good as it was supposed to be. Uh, Dobbins actually wasn't that efficient with the ball. He only had three point two yards of carry, only forty one yards rushing. I, th- I think you're probably looking at his overall oh, his overall yeah, yeah. yardage. Yep. Um, yeah, he wasn't efficient running the ball. Justice Hill was by far their most effective back, but even he only got eight carries. Yeah, this team just, all the things that they should be doing good, hard-nosed, you know, really good defense. I mean, geez, give up that many points to the Jets a few weeks prior, um, and obviously they just let allow the Bills to just come storming back, and they did. They held, they held Josh Allen down for an entire half, just completely collapsed in the second half, and uh, they were supposed to get back to being the old Ravens, and... I'm, we're seeing a lot of the Ravens from last year, especially they'll come out towards the end of the game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you know what's funny was like like the first three or four drives, almost like honestly most of the first half, it was kind of the Ravens defense that we're used to kind of seeing. Um, although they did catch a couple breaks, like uh, that pick six that they started the game with, or you know pick down to the two to get uh, J.K. Dobbins in the end zone, you know caught a break, but they capitalized. And then Singletary, who's fucking terrible, fumbles literally like two plays later. They jump up 14 nothing. So, at, like, why are you even thinking about throwing the ball when you have Lamar Jackson as a talented runner? Like, you have all the options there. No reason for that collapse other than fucking Josh Allen is a gamer. So, I, so one kind of question I have for you guys. So, at the 
at the end of the season, obviously, like when you're talking like MVP, you're looking at the stats, the numbers, et cetera. If, if you guys were voting, do you, do you take uh, games like this kind of into account rather than just the numbers, but how they performed in like the prime time, like the big moments? Yeah. I mean, the big moments, yeah, are they clutch? I don't think it necessarily has to be in prime time, but yeah, how, how good are they in clutch time for sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I just, I don't think this is this is not something that's gonna make the resume in the plus column if you're looking at him from an MVP standpoint. I, I think yeah. I, I just they only scored 23 points against a bad defense. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 the the remnants are like Hurricane Ian, so like that's kind of what we saw unexpectedly coming up. So like that game was soaking wet. Philly Jacksonville, which we're going to talk about later on, soaking wet, and a lot of that obviously changed game plans. But you know, no matter what, you got you have to perform. But you know, for the MVP kind of race, just again came back from 17 points. It's you know against against another MVP candidate. I'm just curious if that should hold more weight because it's still a big it's still a big game. Josh big Allen's a stud. Yeah, I mean he he. He looked terrible in the first half and really good in the second half. Lamar Jackson looked really good in the first half and really bad in the second half. Is one better than the other? I don't know. I I, I think in the end, the game plan fa- fa- uh, failed the Ravens, and the Bills are just doing what they do with, with a great player in Josh Allen. Yeah, jo- I mean, I think Josh Allen is, is going to run away with the MVP race eventually here. Um, and I, I think he's definitely the more complete quarterback over Lamar Jackson, but these are both great players that were going yeah. against each other. I think... Uh, definitively, the difference is that the Buffalo Bills are a 10 times better team, 10 times better roster than the Ravens. I do wonder what Lamar Jackson could potentially do behind that offensive line in that team. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I do think you got, you got to admit that the, uh, the Ravens are the inferior roster overall. Yeah, no, no doubt. But, you know, they showed up for, you know, two and a half quarters. But, yeah, sure. the Bills roster is better, although – Depleted as well. Injury depleted over there in Buffalo. So, um, obviously, more than likely, it's still feeling like we could be seeing this matchup uh, come January. I think in the end, both these teams are going to win their division. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is crazy, though. The Ravens are a couple plays away. And it, it was Miami, by the way. I was, I was saying the Jets came back against them. It was Miami that came back against them. I think deep down in his heart, Lamar Jackson really wants to be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> And he might get his wish, depending on what happens with the Tua situation. But uh, yeah, so no state tax. He, he he mentioned three teams, and the Miami Dolphins were one of them, which is which is really bizarre because Tua was completely healthy at the time. <laughs> um, the game that almost killed me on Sunday at nine thirty in the morning. I I had like three cups of coffee and then watched the game like an idiot. Um, I didn't need any coffee for this. The Vikings at Saints in London. What, what a sloppy beginning this game was. Uh, I think there was like, what, nine field goals kicked in it in, in total. Sloppy offense, but just an amazing end to this game. Uh, what do you guys think about sloppy wins? Is, should, 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 should teams be worried? This, this is now three, I would argue, sloppy wins for the Vikings. Um, what, 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 what do you guys think about sloppy wins in the NFL, and should, should a team be concerned when they're winning in such a sloppy manner? Uh, so for me, uh, you have to have sloppy wins. You I, you love them. Like you need those gritty wins. You need you have to win ugly. You have to know how to do it because in the playoffs, when everyone's at their best and everyone's at their peak, 
it's not going to just be all rainbows and sunshine. So like you have to figure out how to like overcome that type of adversity. It's still frustrating to see at times, but like, like even new England, uh, looking back to the Oh seven season when they went undefeated all the way until the uh, super bowl, it's not one of the best all teams in the history of the NFL still had some gritty, like sloppy wins. Like it wasn't even during uh, Tom Brady and Moss's ridiculous seasons. You, you need, you need that adversity, like to kind of build and grow as a team. So I love it. It's still frustrating to see, but you need, you need to uh, experience that shit to kind of take that, take that step and get over the hump. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, the NFL, you're gonna play a lot of close games and it's about how you execute in those situations and and just the confidence of those situations. Cause I mean, I think the, the other side of that coin is the Detroit lions who have lost so many close games that, you know, you get in the game-winning drive and you take a holding penalty and now in your head you're thinking, oh, great, here we go again. This is how we're going to lose this one. Uh, so I think the opposite of it's great. You know, for Minnesota, uh, they find a way to win. And I, I think that matters a lot for for a team, you know, long-term during the course of a season. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I've been reading up a lot on this to kind of try and convince me that I shouldn't be worried about the Vikings. And, and it, my gut feeling is that I'm really worried about the Vikings. But I will say this, the Vikings have now played the Packers, the Eagles, and the Saints. These are three teams that, by some estimations, are all top 10 defenses going into the league. The Saints' defense is still so fucking good. It's such a shame that they can't get a quarterback on the other side of the ball because that team, Chris Olave, is, is a freak, um, an absolute freak. He might be the best receiver in, in that rookie class. Um, but this Saints' defense is nothing to shake you know, nothing to shake your head at. This has been one of the best defenses even thus far this year, even with Jameis Winston throwing all these picks. Like, this team held Tom Brady down for three quarters. And, you know, until that Mike Evans um, push play, like, they, they were holding the Bucks down, and then obviously the Bucks ran away with it. But this Saints defense is really good. My worry is that Kirk Cousins looks worse than he's ever looked. And I do have to wonder if it's because he's played these really good defenses or if Kirk Cousins maybe just isn't adjusting to this offense the way he should. Because everyone said, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to bust out this year because he's finally in a pass-first offense. Well, maybe Kirk Cousins, you know, isn't designed for pass-first offenses. And that is currently what I am worried about. He's throwing more picks than he ever has. Just some confusing decisions. Um, He's always been kind of bad at pulling the trigger. Uh, He holds on to the ball too long, takes more sacks than he should. Um, and I, I, that, that's my biggest worry for the Vikings besides their, you know, mediocre defense. It's how questionable Kirk Cousins has been playing for several of these opening quarters. And you know, what's funny about Kirk Cousins. He used to be the opposite. He used to be a guy that would come out really hot in the first quarter. Then you kind of cool off in the second quarter and then you would come back in the fourth. He's even looking shitty in the first quarter, and so it's kind of confusing me, and I wonder if maybe it's the rookie coaching staff not preparing him the way he's used to being prepared. That could definitely be it, and I watched, obviously, the full game because it was the only game on, and it's the first game of the Vikings I've watched start to finish, and I just don't think that the coaching staff matches the personnel very well. Um, I think Dalvin Cook's a guy that needs volume. I think he's a guy that needs 20 carries because, you know, two of those 20 carries are going to be for 30 yards, are going to be for 60 yards. He's a guy that, that needs that. And I think that really suits Kirk well. I think Kirk throws off play action really well. Um, I, I saw there's a, I think it was two drives back to back where the Vikings ran like three or four play actions without running the ball once. 
So I'm like, what are you like faking to? Like, no one's buying this run fake. You're just, you know, giving the rush more time to get there. Um, and, and no one's buying, no one's getting sucked into this ball fake because you haven't ran the ball in, in 10 minutes. Yeah. So, so kind of like, maybe not necessarily like devil's advocate here, but kind of like touching back onto like, uh, ugly wins, sloppy wins. Like, it's nice to kind of get gritty. Um, and then, you know, we were, t- everyone's thinking that like, uh, uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams would just hit it off. And then, so it's kind of like a similar concept here in Minnesota. So it's an offense he's familiar with, but truthfully, it's been so long. So yeah, it might be, it's definitely gonna be frustrating, but if you're going to be frustrated with kind of performances and, you know, the grow, the learning curve, growing pains, if you're three and one at that point, figuring that part out that it's kind of bright looking forward, but they still have to figure out a couple more things on defense um, and kind of like to Derek's point there about like the personnel and the coaching kind of getting that meshing, meshing together. So um, I'm going back and forth on uh, Minnesota. I was, I was going to quit on them if they didn't cover two and a half, but uh, I, uh, so they're, they're my good graces still. I did see the Vikings are the only team to not have an offensive holding, defensive pass interference, or roughing the passer penalty so far this year. Interesting. Um, so I don't know if that's like a to me they're, they're like kind of double sword. Like yeah, it's uh, you know it's obviously their discipline. They're you know probably well coached from that standpoint. Uh, but then you look at the reverse of that, and one they ha- they're barely winning and scraping by with no negative yard plays from those you know some of those drive killers. Like no, they're not getting killed the drives killed or extended in the traditional way and two are they not getting rough in the passer because they're not getting anywhere near the quarterback probably and, it, and it's wild that they didn't get roughing the passer because we they did get to the quarterback a lot in that first game and, and nobody loves to throw flags nobody throws flags for more more people than Aaron Rodgers like the refs just fucking love that guy for some reason that's pretty wild it firsthand in the New England game I, I, there was a horse collar tackle I was like Oh, we're playing Aaron Rodgers, I guess, because that is nowhere near a horse collar. <laughs> yeah, ever since that uh, Packers game, the, the Vikings pass rush has been really bad. I think that might be the other other side of the ball, though, scheming against that, because we just demolished Aaron Rodgers, and I think that they're if you look at the way that the Saints played and, and the way the Eagles played, they're just getting the ball out really quick, designing really quick routes, uh, because the Vikings play kind of a soft zone. Um, and I, I don't really like what I see out of our defensive coordinator so far. Um, I'm I'm concerned about this team, and I'm not. If you if you want to get fired up, go look at any of Kevin O'Connell's post game speeches. This guy seems on paper like he's fucking got it. Like he's he's got he's got he almost looks like a fucking like male model too. The dude on paper seemed. And by the way, you were talking about you know Kirk Cousins' offense for the for for the that he ran with the Redskins. It's a completely different offense. Even Kevin Kevin O'Connell admits since he went over the Rams. I mean, obviously he stole everything that he has right now from Sean McVay. Because why wouldn't you? So almost all of his philosophies have actually come from McVay. He's become the guy that he is based on McVay's guidance. So I don't know that you know the 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 connection between him and being at the Redskins, I don't even know if that benefits Kirk Cousins at all. Um, it's just more of like the familiarity. They, they uh, work together. Like a lot, yeah. A lot of the schemes and concepts still kind of developed even back then. Cause remember McVeigh was over there as well. So obviously it's not to the T everyone kind of changes and develops, but I mean, shit, even now, like who there's, they're three and one against three teams that everyone assumed were going to be in the playoffs. And then you got Phillies, their only loss who very well could be the best team in the NFL. So you can go back and forth in it, but like like you said earlier, the, the Saints aren't no slouch. Um, 
it, you know, Detroit finds ways to lose. But if they can get into that bye week five and one, uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, excitement coming in from Minnesota. Yeah, and I will say that that's one of the hardest stretches of our schedule that they just played. Uh, their next four games: Bears, Dolphins, Cardinals, Commanders. So it gets a lot easier from there. So it, it, it'll be interesting, and I really want to see Kirk Cousins is really good at beating up on shitty teams. <laughs> that, that that's what he's made his whole career on. Uh, speaking of the Commanders, uh, the Cowboys are, I, I'm, I'm almost ready to say they, they might be the best defense in the NFL. Cer- certainly the best pass rush. Uh, Anthony Barr turned out to be a great addition to this team, by the way. Uh, the Cowboys are fucking ridiculous. Uh, Cooper Rush has not lost a game as a starting quarterback. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Is this going to be a hard decision for the Cowboys? I think it officially is. Uh, he's now 4-0. The, the Cowboys went from 0-2 with Dak to now 3-1. and um, Dude, <laughs> this team, this team is fucking exciting. What do, you, what do you think about it? Can they win the division? I think they can win the division. Um, I really like what the Giants are doing, and and Philadelphia, I think, is just is, is too strong. Um, anything's possible. You know, the, the NFC East tends to, like, kind of migrate towards the center, and they just beat up on each other, and you know, whatever team gets nine or 10 wins makes it out alive. But I don't know that that's going to be the case this year. Um, I just think they're paying Dak too much for Dak not to get the, the team back. Yeah. You can't pay that guy that much to sit on the bench. You just can't. I don't care what Cooper Rush does. Um, but that defense is the real deal. And I mean, we'll say it every single time. Like, there's, it's coming to the point now where I have two things I talk about every week Braden Cooks, Brandon Cooks, and, and Micah Parsons, because Micah Parsons is just a fucking freak. Yeah, he's he's fantastic, and yeah, there's there's gonna be like kind of thoughts. Sometimes you might have to like. I'm sorry, I don't care how much you're paying them. Uh, It's good that they're they're in that position, but I think one of the most idiotic comments that I've heard or read was from uh, Keyshawn Johnson this morning, and it was a well, if they would just game plan for Dak the way that they did for Cooper Rush, they'd win the Super Bowl. Well, it's that's not it's not. The game plans completely changed. Like they're still spreading the ball, they're still running. Like it's a very comparable mix. But yeah, the the defense is interesting. This is kind of like the Cowboys team that we've been expecting or anticipating for like the last two two and a half years. But yeah, I get it. There's a shit ton of money uh, that you're dishing out over there. But if if I'm J- Jerry Jones, makes hard decisions. Like he makes very unfavorable. Like uh, like a lot of public hates the shit that he does. For me, it really comes down to similar to like the Atlanta situation, it, and, and to, maybe it's a, a short leash on, on a short leash on uh, Cooper uh, Cooper Rush. But and if they keep winning, how how do you make that move? Because remember, Tony Romo was playing great until you know, until he got hurt, and that came in and they were just crushing. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and exciting to see over there in Jerry World. But for me, and, until they lose or until he proves that they can't get it done. You know, it's hard. It's really hard to make that move. If they were to move on from him this year, the dead cap's one hundred and eight million dollars over the life of the contract. I'm not talking about like for the future. Yeah. I'm just talking about like like as if he keeps winning, if he wins every single game, like how, how do you pull him do out? You, what's interesting about the way they structure this this contract though is there is an out after the 2023 season. So after next season, uh, they can get out, and the cap hit would only be 39 in dead caps for over three years. So there's there's an interesting out. Um, and I, I think if you're the Cowboys, you have to take it. <laughs> I, I, I think I think the, I think the good news for the Cowboys is that you don't have to rush your your quarterback that just broke his thumb. You know that Jerry Jones is trying to put yeah. weird pressure on to come back early. Like you don't need to do that anymore. Let Dak heal up. 
I mean, Dak's going to come back. He's going to start. Um, and I, I, th- I think it's the right choice. But, dude, be happy that you have a, a, a backup. And Keyshawn Johnson's comments are really confusing to me. Game plan for him like they do with Dak? Are you talking about scaling down the offense? <laughs> well, 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 that's literally what, what he, he said. Like, yeah. If you run the same game plan for Dak... They're well, scaling well, it down. They're literally making the... you know Because they know he's a backup, so they're scaling down the offense because they know he's not quite as capable as... So... So they have to admit that they paid, overpaid their quarterback, and now they have to game plan as if he's a backup. That's a weird comment to make in support I of just, Dak. I, told I you don't. I just, we're like we're in this cycle, and it's it's funny because we do it every single time. Like a, a, a quarterback who's in that middle tier gets hurt, and the backup comes in. They run a scaled down offense. Guys play a little bit harder because they're you know trying to carry more weight. They know the quarterback can't carry them. They grind out a few gritty wins. And then once this garbage vanilla offense is on is on you know enough film, they're not going to be able to move the ball in two weeks from now. It's a great that's point. How this, this always, that's how this always goes. Moving moving on to the team that might the, the the Cowboys could realistically trade Dak to the Houston Texans. Um, that, I saw a really funny meme. Uh, it was a Mike Mc, or a Jerry Jones patting Dak on the shoulder, and he goes, "Yeah, they have uh, Brandon Cooks." And uh, really young defense. You're really going to like it over there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so um, I, the Chargers, I'm officially very terrified of. Um, I don't think this team is nearly as good as maybe we thought it was. Or maybe they're not that well coached. But the Chargers almost shit the bed again against the Texans. Um, in, in the end, the Texans actually had a chance to come back and tie this game up. Obviously, it didn't happen. The Chargers ended up by winning by 10 points. Well, this is a game that the Chargers need to come out and just blow the socks off of this team because the Texans are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, what, do, what do you guys think about this? And is this more trouble ahead for the for the Chargers? Yeah, I think the Chargers are not well coached. I think Staley's terrible. Um, I think he's on the, the the short list. You know, you talk about three or four guys that should get fired, and, and you know, before the end of the season, he'd be on my list. Uh, and you know, in true fashion, the Chargers are dealing with a lot of injuries. Yep, there's a lot of you know the, the guys aren't healthy. Herbert's not healthy. Probably not going to be healthy for a few weeks. Uh, Bosa, <clears throat> you can't lose a premier pass rusher like that and, and not be impacted. Um, so I think it's just more just underachieving, disappointing Chargers. I think it's you know it's different year, same story. Yeah, so it's hard to disagree there. But for me, like you still have to be kind of excited for what's going on in Houston, like another team that. You're, if if they went two and fifteen now instead of fourteen, um, you would be like, all right, kind of expected it. No talent over there, but like, kind of like the Lions of like a couple years past and like last year, just fucking gritty and still finding a way to battle. So like, kudos to them to stick in it. A uh, lot of question marks with the Chargers. Like, they have to figure it out, and figure it out fast to kind of keep pace with the Chiefs. It's, it could be a long season, but um, I, I will adamantly disagree with the uh, short list of hot seat kind of got coaches because uh, remember they still came from Anthony Lynn but I, I do agree with uh, very much under underachieving and underperforming for what we're anticipating I mean I don't like Staley and how he manages situations I think his situational football is terrible so I think that is, to me is always a red flag you know Hackett had a higher guy specifically to run situation shit for him um, I think the Chargers can maybe use one of those guys too if there's any more of them out you know out there but for me, the biggest takeaway from this game for me is it's nice to see a preseason favorite, preseason darling of the fantasy world actually deliver for once. And I thought Damian Pierce, you know, kind of a coming out party was really good last week too. Uh, but that's that 75-yard run, man, that's top-end speed that not a lot of guys have. 
Correct. He looks like a stud. Uh, Texans are the best team in the league at finding just nobody running backs and turning them into absolute studs. Arian Foster, like they, 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 they've been doing it their entire franchise. Remember that uh, half a season Alfred Blue was really good? Yeah, Alfred Blue. <laughs> I'm trying to think back. There's some other guys at the very beginning of the, of the when the Texans first became a franchise that were really randomly good. I can't Aaron really. Foster. Well, yeah, Arian Foster was a few years later, but no, I, like when we were in high school, when, when the Texans first came out, they had some some just randomly good guys, especially guys I like to play with in Madden. Um, Andre Johnson is the only one I could distinctly remember. And they had they had Ron Dane too, right? At the end, Ron Dane for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one one of the most exciting games that could have been way more exciting if T Law didn't shit the bed. Uh, the Jag the Jaguars storm ahead in this game 14-0 I'm all of a sudden going the Jaguars are for real they're gonna win the south uh by the way I still think they're gonna win the south um this team is I I don't care man I I know they lost it to the Eagles the Jaguars are still for real and and they're doing this with the slim amounts of talent that they had and you know what's crazy Nick Sirianni is truly a really good coach and so is Doug Peterson. It, 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 it's the weirdest situation where the Eagles, I think, just let go of a gem because the, of their love affair with Carson Wentz. And Doug Peterson's going to go off and have massive success now for the, for the Jaguars. And the Eagles are still good off with Sirianni. It's a weird situation that they play in this revenge game, but there's nothing to have revenge for. The Eagles are fine. <laughs> Doug Peterson's fine with the Jaguars. Uh, these are two really exciting teams. Um the Eagles are fucking ridiculous, though. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they're, and, they're the real deal. Yeah, I mean, but, but I, I disagree. It was, it was definitely a revenge game for Doug Peterson, who, by the way, I'm so upset I forgot to bring it up last week, but 0-2 in his revenge, revenge games, like probably very much, not probably, he was definitely prematurely fired from Philly with it, kind of everything going on with Carson Wentz and everything, but he just won a Super Bowl over there a few years ago. But I was right with you. I was like, fuck. Jaguar Jacksonville is up 14, nothing. Uh, obviously early pick by Jalen, the, you know, the rain kind of changed things, but you want to talk about gritty wins. Great, great on Jacksonville for everything that they've done. Philly can like find it. Like Miles Sanders, 27 for like a buck 30 something and two touchdowns. And, you know, even though Jalen struggled, uh, you know, a little bit with, you know, through the rain and kind of, you know, the, the early turnover still found a way to kind of bring his guys back. So, Real quick, uh, I think we can all agree that right now the the MVP race, it's a three-headed monster right now with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and um, uh, Lamar Jackson. Of, of all – unless anyone else has someone in there for, like, top three. We'll talk about later. So, like, which which of those three performances do you – would you – like, taking the whole game as a whole, like – maybe not necessarily like leapfrogged, but like kind of kept them at the top tier or kind of moved them up because none of them were fantastic through the whole game, but obviously two guys finished strong and, you know, some turnovers, everything. So who, who had the best, like, where does that take for you guys? For me, it's hurts. I I think if you look at the defenses that played, uh, I don't think the Ravens defense is good. The bills defense is really banged up. Um, The Jaguars defense at full strength is one of the best defenses in the league. And I I think he still found a way to get it done. Conditions weren't great, really conducive to throwing the ball. You know, he ran the ball well. Um, And minus that, you know, that one, obviously, turnover was really costly. Played pretty well outside of that. So for me, I think, you know, specific to just this Sunday and who helped their stock the most, 
Um, of those three, I, I would say it's Jalen Hurts for sure. There, there, there you go. That was a phrase I was trying to <laughs> dig, out, dig out there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it, you're talking about between Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and, and Jalen Hurts. I, I, I think yeah. it's, I think it's still for me, it's, it's still Josh Allen. Um, he's clapped some cheeks that nobody has clapped this year. Um, no, yeah, I think cumulatively Josh Allen, but I think Hurts oh, just helped in this game. himself the most yeah. this weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean Jalen Hurts is looking better than ever. I mean this guy, it, maybe somebody figures him out. And, and, and make, you know, like towards the end of last year, he kind of just fell off. So I'm kind of expecting that to happen, but maybe it's not. Maybe this guy has truly just figured it out. And like you said last week, Marcus, he's making some really tough throws. And when the, when the rain picked up and the wind was gusting at 30 miles an hour, he was playing at his best. What? What? Yeah, to, to that's me, awesome. What Hertz is doing and what I'm seeing Lamar do a lot that's making me a little more uh, bullish on Lamar the passer is can you put a ball in a tight window over 20 yards down the field? If you can do that, you can play quarterback in this league. And they're both doing it this year at a, at a pretty efficient rate hurts more so. Um, but some, some, some dimes and some really tight windows. Yeah. It, it the Eagles, the Eagles are insane. And I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but this is, this, this team just keep, keeps getting better, I think. And, and this is the gritty win that they needed because they've just been running away with all these all these wins. It hasn't even been hard for them thus far this year. Um, they needed a game where they kind of stepped up and came back because I think that it's kind of like Bane. Oh, I see. <laughs> what, what is it? I, I, I see victory has made you or something like that. Yeah, victory yeah, yeah. has made you weak. Um, some teams get too comfortable and you, you need a gritty win like this. Uh, the ugliest yeah. game of the week. Chiefs, Chiefs and Bucks, like, what the fuck happened in this game? Uh, Patrick Mahomes looks better than ever, and I said it last night, and I totally believe this. Even with that loss last week to the Colts, I think this might be one of the best Chiefs team teams because it's no longer just about Tyreek Hill. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no one guy in this offense. It's all these just kind of mid-talents, and then let's watch the Patrick Mahomes show. You know, it's it's Travis McKel- it's Travis Kelsey, it's Patrick Mahomes, and everybody else. And who gives a fuck who it is? You don't need Tyreek Hill complaining about, you know, receptions or, or targets or anything like that. You don't need guys like that when you have Patrick Mahomes. I think getting getting rid of Tyreek Hill is one of the rare circumstances where it benefited two different sides. But this team is better than ever, and the defense looks way better than I've ever seen it. Yeah, which is obviously weird kind of. Um, obviously giving a 31 against Tampa who struggled, but you know, a lot of Tampa fans are like, Oh, oh, we suck, whatever. I was like, guys, listen, sometimes like the elite of the elite, the, the best of the best, sometimes there's just absolutely fucking nothing in the world that you can do. Like they, they got in the right position and Mahomes should in that, in that first quarter, uh, in that first, like three plays that not many people in the entire world ever could have made. So like you can only game plan so much. So it, w- it was actually refreshing to kind of see like those plays, like from my end for Mahomes, because we know he's got the big arm. We know like everything, but like making those plays that kind of separate him as far as being the boat. Right. So like those, those were refreshing. That's, that's something, those small plays that touched on the Clyde um, CEH, and um, and that play where he just like spun out of he spun out and just made, made ridiculous stupid plays. Those are the plays you should be super excited for in Kansas City. Agreed. Yeah, for me, 
when, I, when we talk about, you know, MVPs and stuff, I, I think one of the biggest factors is how did a team perform versus its talent uh, and its kind of expectations. And I think, you know, the biggest knock and the biggest barrier that Josh Allen has to overcome is he has to play, I think, head and shoulders above anyone else because this is the best roster on paper and the team that a lot of people picked to win the Super Bowl. So if he w- goes through and wins the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, that's kind of what we expected. It's that atrophy of, you know, Brady in the Bel- Brady Belichick years, Belichick not winning coach of the year, Brady not winning the, you know, probably the proper number of MVPs is because he's kind of, yeah, it's kind of expected. I think Patrick Mahomes elevating this offense of like ragtag misfit toys is incredible. Uh, you, I mean, these guys are not good. Like this roster is not good. Uh, and he's just showing that it doesn't matter. You know, Travis Kelsey and, and any other, you know, four guys at the skill positions and he'll get it done. Do you think he needs that tight end? So like whenever Travis Kelsey's time goes, if if the Chiefs see some stud tight end out there in the draft, they got to go all in on him. And, and, yeah, and I agree. It, it's funny though, like like I I think they could also probably just pick up like a like kind of like a bust, like Noah Fant or uh, or like even like Hawkinson and like turn around their career with Patrick Mahomes. But you're right, man. MV he's doing this with MVS, Juju Beans and just just Mid mid talents. There's no elite guys, but he's got wide receivers wearing 24, running backs wearing 10. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's never needed them. <laughs> he's never needed them. He's even making Ceh look good. But um, you C. actually H. kind of brought up a good point. So here's a real here's a really good question. Do you think it's necessarily the uh, the tight end or like that fucking that security blanket where you have chemistry with, kind of like. Devontae Adams with Green Bay with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Do you think it necessarily has to be the tight end or just like that we can click with that? It doesn't matter just what the play is called. We'll, we'll figure it I think out. It, I think it has to be a tight end because I think the unique thing that having an elite tight end like that does is, is makes the defense make a decision. Do you let him run routes against a linebacker and get open? Or do you bring in your best cover, safety, corner, whoever that may be, and take him out of coverage and just basically spy him man-to-man across the field and now that opens up everything else in the field. If, if I'm Mahomes, I'm texting Kittle and being like, dude, don't sign your next contract. You're going to finish your career in Kansas City. <laughs> how, how fucking perfect would that be? That, that would be insane. And the, the blocking ability of Kittle, that, that would be ridiculous. Ridiculous. Jesus. All right, boys, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. I want to go watch this Rams game. Any final thoughts? Custom uh, protocols are going to be changing and changing and changing. No yes. matter what you do, you're going to have to keep it's. Everyone finds a loophole. It's it's mind blowing. Fuck the Dolphins, though, man. They, they they ruined it for everybody, man. This 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 whole thing about like the independent guy that they're firing and all this, dude. This Dolphins are slimy, man. And we, yeah. we've talked about it before. I think there's a lot more than meets the eye about this whole situation. And I think two, you know, and. If the player is involved, does that make it better or worse? It makes it worse because, like, I think that barrier is designed to save the player from himself. Everybody wants to go play. Yeah. If these guys want to go play, no matter what, and and they feel like they're letting their team down if they don't, like, you got to have a guy, an adult in the room, so to speak. Not saying that players aren't adults, but from a term, uh, just make like protect that guy from himself. Yeah, and you'd think Tampa would have learned from everything that happened with Miami, and boom, it's, there's, there's going to be a lot of changes coming. It's going and it's going to piss off a lot of people. But when you put, if you are going to put player safety up there, it's it's, it's going to have to be overboard for sure. I mean, the the, yeah. the, the two of scene is just 
it's despicable and um it's was avoidable that's the worst part about this uh yeah it's really gross um shame on the players union for not putting more uh pressure on the dolphins and accelerating that you know kind of uh 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 investigation because i don't i I think a lot of people are at fault and that tua situation is just going to keep getting worse i don't know if he plays again this year seriously I think uh, we're officially on uh, Matt Rule Watch, where anytime that we record, he may be fired by the next time we record. <laughs> so I just <laughs> want to make sure you know we're all uh, tuned into that because he is fucking awful. He's awful. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a QBR of 13 this year. 13. I can't blame Baker entirely because every quarterback under Matt Rule has looked awful. All right, boys. I wonder what would your QBR be if you every time you took the snap, you just threw it in the ground. It has to be, it has to be around 13, right? I assume so. Baker Mayfield looks awesome. Awful. Sorry. Awful. All right, boys.